Hi, my name's Karen O'Connor and welcome to this episode of the Menopause, Marriage and Motherhood podcast. Thanks for tuning in. I've got to say, like, when I first met you and I said, oh, you know, I'm a podcaster and you went, oh, I'd love to appear on your podcast. I'm like, "Mm, it's women. And then when you told me what you did, I was just like, oh, my God, we got to (laughs) talk. We need to get this story out there because what you've done is just phenomenal. So just tell me a little bit first off about yourself and how you got into what you're doing. So I'm, I'm kind of... Nobody yeah, knows what you're doing here, but just you, you well, tell me what you're up to. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, how I got involved with it was uh, um, uh, one of my best mates. When I, I moved to Australia about 20 years ago, and so one of the first guys I kind of got, uh, met here in Australia, uh, um, his name is Carl, and and he and I just hit it off, and and we became real close mates. And and long story short is he he joined Destiny Rescue and uh, um, he told me about Destiny Rescue and he was moving him and his wife and his family over to Thailand to go and work in one of our operations there. And uh, um, and and that's how I got introduced to Destiny Rescue and, um, and, and my wife and I actually started by actually donating to them. Started going, you know, this is a great... What an awesome organization. So we started donating to them. And, um, and our, so my journey started through the donation point of view. And then one day I got a call out of the blue saying, listen, Mark, do you want to do more? And I was like, yes, where do I sign up? And, and, and I, it was, I didn't even have to think about it. And, and um, yeah, and then I got connected with Destiny Rescue. And, and, and since then, it's, it's, it's been an amazing journey. Love the organization. And, and it's 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 a it's a you know what they what we as an organisation do is is pretty close to my heart. So uh, um, I've got children myself. I've got three daughters and one son. And you know, and I'm thinking, you know, but but for the grace of God, we could live in in, in those environments where these children are put uh, into these uh, unbelievable circumstances that you would you know in your wild in your worst nightmares. Um, and I'm just so grateful for living in Australia. But like for me, it is, you know, I'm thinking if we lived in those areas and something would happen to me, because sometimes it's just a lot of these children find themselves in these positions because of finances, because of, of uh, um, poverty. And, 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 yeah, that's what got my story, my journey started with them. So what does Destiny Rescue do? Destiny Rescue... Um, all right, I've got to go back. Destiny Rescue started eight, um, by basically over 18 years. In October, we're coming to our 19th year. And it got started by a gentleman called Tony Kerwin. And Tony Tony had, uh, um, uh, um, he was in Thailand and he was actually in a bar and overheard this guy bragging about how he got offered a child for sex tra- uh, to, to basically have sex with. And that really rocked him. And like I said, you know, for me, I've got I've got uh, um, children, and I've got three daughters and one son, and he's also got daughters, and that really hit home close for him. And so he started researching and realized that this is a big issue out there. Uh, um, you know, in fact, it's it's with sex trafficking. The World Labour Organization estimates that about uh, ten million uh, um, uh, people involved in uh, are caught up in sex trafficking, and um, Trafficking as a whole, the World Labour Organization estimates about 40 million people are caught up in, in, in trafficking as a whole. And so 
if you think of it, with 10 million being in sex trafficking and then a good percentage of that is children, uh, is we, we're looking at, you're looking at basically just short of half the population of Australia caught up in sex trafficking. It's a huge problem out there. People, a lot of times because it's maybe not just right on our doorstep, although it is nationwide, but people just don't realize how big a problem it is. And so Destiny Rescue started by Tony Kuhn and started then with the whole thing that, you know what, this is a plight on our modern day society and we need to do something about it. You know, and Emerson was the one who coined the phrase that uh, evil exists because good people do nothing. And it's, 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 and why we're involved is, is also the way we set up as Destiny Rescue is we'll go to the bras, the brothels, the, Dangerous places you can think think of and physically go and look for children that have been trafficked. So uh, we've got undercover um, agents uh, in, um, in, in the nations where we operate, and we operate in seven different countries. So I'm, I'm hopping over a few things just to give you an, a, a basically background of what we do. And we operate in seven different countries. We've got disclosed nations and undisclosed nations. So with the disclosed nations, is what we can openly talk about. Undisclosed, unfortunately, because of politically sensitive reasons, they don't like the fact that we even bring attention to the fact that they have a problem with uh, trafficking, especially trafficking in children. So we kind of, just to, for political sense of reasons, we won't mention them by name. But um, the ones that we can mention is Dominican Republic, which, and then we were in the Philippines, we were in Cambodia, and we were in Thailand. Um, and what we do is, we, we operate in those countries where we've got our undercover agents that will physically go into the bars and brothels and DG places. And I had the privilege uh, um, to go with actually the founder, Tony Kerwin, and, uh, and, and another gentleman who's in charge of all our, uh, our international raids. And I've had the privilege to go and do undercover work with them in Thailand and Cambodia. So in, in general, we'll go into these bars, karaoke bars, brothels, and we'll we'll just basically blend in looking like we're just another sex tourist uh, that's going to, that's frequenting these places. And then once we find a, a, a child or we'll start talking to them and kind of ascertaining their age, etc., and then, and then set them up for a rescue. And once we've rescued them, we'll put them through our rescue centers and our rescue centers. We will help them with medical help, trauma counsel, uh, um, and uh, so we've got uh, social workers that will that will work with them, and also community workers. The community workers will work out how is it that they got there, and actually go and travel to their communities where where they originated from, and work out was this, you know, how did they get into the hands of these perpetrators? How did they get trafficked? Was this is the house a safe place? Because it's not not all parents just sell their children. Some send their children to go and look for work. And, you know, if you don't mind, I'll just, hop, you know, give you a sample of, we've got so many examples. We've, we've rescued over uh, 5,300 individuals uh, since we started counting in 2011. So 2011, we started actually counting and keeping record. And since then, we've rescued, uh, like I said, 5,300 individuals. And, um, and so, uh, um, you know, this story that I'm going to tell you is, we, we, uh, and when I use names, I just want to bring it out. When I use names, these are made up names. These aren't because we protect our children and the, and, and the individuals we rescue right through. We, 
will never divulge their identities because you've got a particular, it's for their own protection, but also you don't never want to, even in telling the story, you don't want to re-abuse them in a sense by, uh, by putting out their names. But, you know, anyway, we call this girl Cassie, but that's not her real name. So, so Cassie was, 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 uh, lived in a rural area in Thailand and, and she, she was part of a family of seven siblings and her, and her parents were farmers. And so, unfortunately, things weren't going too well on the farm and they were struggling a little bit, you know, feeding everybody. So they asked Cassie, um, she's age 14, asked her to, if she could go and find work to help the family. So, so she just asked one of her friends, um, do you know where I can find work? And her friend, you know, naively, like, and this is what happens to a lot of them, said, why don't you go to the bigger city, which is about three hours drive away from their, from their village, Go to the big city and see if you can find a job there as a waitress or, you know, you know, I'm sure you'll find a job there. And so she basically hitched a lift on, a, on, on the back of a truck, uh, which probably the Australian vernacular equivalent is a, is a ute, and jumped in the back of that. It took her a three-hour drive, and then the driver just dropped her off at what you kind of say a bus stop, but I'm putting in inverted commas bus stop, which um, – Basically, what it is, it's, it's kind of an oval, and then kind of surrounding the oval are these bars and and uh, um, bars that kind of surround it, and these bars and brothels that surround this place. And it's kind of a central pickup and drop-off point. And she arrives there, Cassie, and out walks this uh, because these perpetrators are very opportunistic, and they saw this girl drop be dropped off there, and she locked a little bit lost. And out, and one of these mama sons from these bars came came up to her and said, you know, what are you doing here? And she said, oh, I've come from the village. And she said, oh, are you looking for a job? And she said, yes. She said, oh, well, why don't you come with me to my bar and you can work at this bar? And, and uh, you know, and poor Cassie, totally naive, you know, little virgin girl, just worked on the farm, no no sense of what was about to happen to her. And, 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 and so she said, yeah, I'll come and work in the bar. And this lady said, all right, come. And then she brought, took her in the bar and said, all right, how about you go into this room? And she said, all right, can you put these clothes on? And the clothes, she wasn't sure why she had to, but she put on this clothes that was given to her. And she said, listen, all you have to do at the bar is, is when you start working, is uh, you, all you have to do is talk to the men that come into the bar. Um, and and sometimes they might ask you on a date and go with them a date. But that's all, you know, that's all how they, the, the, the way this lady paint the, painted the picture for her. And so, and so, uh, uh, so anyway, she's waiting in this room, and now what I'm going to tell you is, unfortunately, this is of a graphic nature, but this is what we deal with out there. So, um, and this happened to her five times, in different times. But what happened to her? She's waiting in this room. Next minute, three to four guys walk in, close close the door behind them, and they start gang gang raping little Cassie. And the whole objective of that was to break her in. And she fought them first, and they, they basically beat her up until she submitted. And here they were gang-raping her. And, and ro- now, nobody would ever want to imagine going through this vi- total violation. But then, in the top of this, while they were gang-raping her, they were videotaping this whole incident. And then they sold it as pornographic material on the web. So not only has she, her 
She'd been totally violated in her body. But just think of the all of the trauma that comes with the fact that you know that was videoed and sent across to who across the world for people to watch in your most vulnerable, most you know torturous time in your a moment in your life that is sent to the rest of the world. And this, unfortunately, you know, happened to her about five times before we found her. So what our guys walked into the bar, as we do to so, at so many bars. Um, and like I said, uh, the, the best offense we find is, is, is our guys going, and we look like we're just another sex tourist walking into the place. And we saw Cassie, and we called her, you know, our guys called her over to the table and started talking to her. And you could see just fear written all over her face. And, 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 but we started talking to her and then she could see that there was a little bit something different about us. And we just spoke to her and, and, and then we, we, we kind of left and then came back and we visited her a couple of times. And then when we thought, okay, there was enough rapport with her. We, we offered her to rescue her. And, and she, she immediately said yes. And, and we booked her out as if we were going to take her to a hotel room to go and abuse her and then disappeared with her in the night. And took her to our rescue center. And what we do a lot of times at a rescue center is when we're bringing in a girl, we'll 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 call ahead. And when we arrived there uh, uh, with her, all the rest of the girls were waiting there to welcome her back, to welcome her in into the rescue center. And 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 even for you know, she was just so elated. And we and we 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 see different responses, but her response was nearly a little bit over the top and. And so, our, so uh, what happens with basically all these girls that we bring into our rescue centers, they basically sleep for two, two, two days flat. And, and the, because if you think of it, this is the first time in a very, very long time they're in a safe place and they don't have to worry about what are those footsteps that are coming down the hallway? What are they going to do to me? And so they sleep for two days. And then after her two-day sleeping period, we, we asked her just about her, her reaction, you know. And she just said, she said, when I said yes to be rescued by you, I actually didn't know if it was true. And so when I saw those other girls out there coming to greet me, I realized this was true. I took a chance, and the chance was the right chance to take. And this, unfortunately, is, is what happens to so many children out there. They get into these situations for, for whatever reasons, but find themselves. A lot of times, it is because of poverty, and and you know, and for us, why why we for us, it's it's a driving thing. Is each one of us have actually with this risk, we have got a story. We've each been touched by a by a different you know by by something that touched us personally in regards to when we do this work, you know, uh, uh, because. Uh, you know, like I said, I had the privilege to go with with uh, um, with with Tony Kerman himself uh, and 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 the and the other gentleman that's head of our uh, um, international rescues. I had the privilege to go with them undercover in 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 Thailand, specifically in Pattaya. And you know, my story is when I was there and we're we're in this bar and I saw this girl and I, and I called her. You know, I, I called her to come sit next to me and started talking to her and and. And I did, you know, so I started asking just as the night went on, I thought, you know, she was getting comfortable with me. So I asked her just, I said, how did you, how come you here? How did you find your way here? And usually you won't even ask that question straight up, but I just felt, uh, you know, 
uh, I'm going to ask her this. And, you know, and then she very quietly told me her story. And she said, yeah, four months before me sitting there next to her, four months before, she was a, a little girl, very happy with life in school, had a younger sister, 10-year-old younger sister in school, um, had both parents who were working. Life was, life was generally good. Um, and then what happened out of the blue, her dad unfortunately suddenly died. And, and so very quickly it was apparent that her mom now on a single income was battling financially to keep both girls in school and keep the house all together. And, the, and so she, you know, just out of her beautiful own heart, and I'll call her Sugi, uh, you know, once again, not the real name. Yes, Sugi, out of her own heart, she decided, you know what, mom, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help. How about I leave school and just for temporary leave school and how about I go to the bigger city? And I'll just go and look for work. I'll, I'll, I'll clean dishes or do something in the restaurant, but just to help you. And so, therefore, my younger sister, my 10-year-old sister, can stay in school. So, Sugi naively goes and goes and look for work. And a similar thing happens that these guys got hold of her and forced her into selling her little body to Dirty Johns that fly in from all over the world. And, and, and you know, just a little segue here. Uh, the... Uh, According to the Sydney Morning Herald, uh, this was last year article, they estimated that about 100,000 Australian men travel to Thailand. This is just Thailand alone. We're not talking Cambodia and all the other countries, just Thailand alone. 100,000 Australian men travel every year for sex tourism to Thailand alone. Now, you multiply that and how many actually go to all the other countries and you get people flying from all over the world. That's why somebody like myself with a South African accent could go into these places. They come from all over the world. And so here, I, like I said, I'm sitting next to Suki and she said, and here she's forced to sell a little body to, to, to Dirty John's flying in from all over the world. And, 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 I, and I, I'm listening to her and I, and, I, and I sat for a while. We spoke about something else. And I just asked her, I said, Suki, if, if you were able to have stayed in school, what is it that, that, that you, what was your dream? What did you want to do? And, you know, and this is the heartbreaking thing, is when you see somebody telling you a dream and you can see in their eyes and their demeanor that that dream they're talking about, they've totally given up. It's been shot to bits. It's just words. You know, and she kind of quietly said to me, you know, it's a noisy place but she's where we're sitting, in, but she just quietly said to me, you know, I wanted to become a school teacher. So here's a little girl that wanted to be educated for the next generation. And through circumstances totally beyond her control, had a beautiful heart, wanted to go and look for work, and then gets railroaded into something that she never, ever dreamt she would be involved in. That's what comes across our path. And that's what drives us. Each one of us have got our own stories. Like I said, when, you, when we've rescued over 5,300-plus individuals, you know, some of them are, are, are older than, 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 than um, 18. But it's just like anything. If you come and you see a drowning person, you're not going to say, sorry, you're not the right age. We're not going to help you. But all have been forced into a diabolic industry that, that no, none of them ever dreamt they would be involved in. And, it is, and for us, we see it for us you know, working at Destiny Rescue. 
as Westerners, we've created this problem. Therefore, we've got to fix it. Because sometimes people say, well, that's there, it's not here. But no, us as Western society, including these Australians that fly over to these countries, created this issue. And we've got to fix it. And I never thought I would live in a society where a child's life, an individual's, li individual's life, there's the same value for that life is like selling a bottle of beer. The, these bar owners and these perpetrators, they don't see any difference. For them, that child is 100% just purely a commodity. If you look at there's a reason why tra trafficking is, is, the, is the second fastest growing, it's the fastest growing illegal industry in the world and the second largest industry in the world. It's like, if I can use the example, you get like drug, you know, if I'm a, if, 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 if I create, if I want to sell drugs and say I, I live in some dingy country somewhere or wherever and I'm creating these drugs, I've got to, there's so many things I've got to do to, 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 for me to make money with these drugs. So now I'm growing whatever it is I'm growing. And then, then, I was, then I've got to have this whole supply chain that goes, grows across borders to get them to, for example, I'll just use, use you as an example, <laughs> and get it to you, right? And once you've, and, and you take it and you'll do whatever with it that you do, and now it's done, now I've got to get it all the way back to you again. I've got to go through all the supply chains. I've got to go through all these things nearly being caught or whatever and get it to you. But what they realize with a child is you can take that child and place that child right there where you, where you live and you'll have people fly from all over the world to want to come and sleep with that little beautiful being. And they don't have to do anything. People will come there. It's supply and demand. And unfortunately, a lot of this is created by, by the Western society, traveling to these countries under, uh, you know, for sex tourism. And, you know, when we think slavery, you know, because these are modern days, uh, slavery talking about, and if you think slavery, a lot of times we, people immediately think back in the 17 and 1800s when, when people were forcibly taken from Africa and on ships and taken to America and to England, to everywhere. But in those days, it was a rich man's game, if you want to put it that way. It's, it's like it, it, to, to buy a slave would cost you about nearly $40,000 uh, dollars uh, plus minus uh, uh, um, in today's money. Where now you can you can buy a child for or an individual for as little as ninety dollars US. We uh, and for these guys, like I said, there's no difference for them whether they sell a bottle of beer at their bar or they sell an individual. There's no difference. They they see no value in that person, and that's you know we, we we've had cases where. We had set up for to do, uh, um, in the beginning, I was telling you about our rescues, and I might just want to kind of give you a breakdown. We do covert rescues, and then we do raid rescues. Covert rescues is where we go undercover uh, and into these bars, brothels, and danger places and look for, the, look for these children, and we rescue them out one at a time. Raid rescues is where we've built up fantastic relationships in the, all the different countries we work in, with special federal uh, uh, police and special police departments that deal with trafficking. And we do it in combination with them where we'll organize a raid. So we'll go in and gather evidence and, and get as much evidence as possible because this will go to court at, uh, once the raid's done. 
And then once we do it, uh, uh, the rider set up on a specific day. And anyway, I won't go into to details. But I don't want to give away what we do too much. But a rate's organized and we're there, but also the police are there. And the whole place gets uh, uh, shut down. And every traffic individual in that place gets gets set free. So raid, you know, and so that's the area we've been growing a lot and is doing these raid rescues. And, and, and I've got to apologize for my South African accent. When I say covert rescues, it's covert and not covert because covert now is a word that everywhere. And when, when I say covert, so somebody was like, and they said, oh, so covert rescues. And I said, no, it's, it's actually covert rescues. So I do apologize. But um, yeah, so with the raid rescues is we not only rescue all the uh, traffic individuals in there, but we shut, the place gets shut down and the, and the owners uh, and, the, and the managers that go to jail. So it's a way more, so we're really impacting it in detail. And there's amazing, a lot of amazing organizations uh, in this area that work in this arena. And, and, but we're, we're, we're one of the very few or the only ones that I really know of in this, uh, to what, do it how we do it. Um, and the, one of the examples I, I explained to somebody to bring it in, in an Australian context is, is that what makes us different from a lot of organizations out there is that uh, um, you get, in Australian context, is you get the uh, surf lifesaving, right? So you get the lifeguards that are on the beach, but then you get the national arm. And the national arm does brilliant work. They, they advertise, you know, they, they warn us. They say, swim between the flags. Watch out for the rips. And even when tourists come, they, they see all their promotional videos, they tell them, you know, swim between the flags. Don't swim outside of the flags. That's where your safety is. So, which is all, as we would all agree, all very important. But can I just say, on the day, if you're on the waves and you're drowning, you want somebody in the water with you. You want a lifeguard right there in the water with you. And that's us. We'll go to the dark holes the dingy places, places that people never even dreamt existed, we'll go in there and we'll look for these children and we'll rescue them out of that. And that's probably one of the big differences from us and a lot of other organizations out there. And once we rescue them, like I told you before, we put them through our rescue centers where they get medical help, trauma counsel, and we work out how did they get there. Is it safe to, at some stage you know, get them back to their families because sometimes the families were totally naive in the process. So in the World Health Organization, this is, you know, it's, uh, said it's, it's, it's better for them long-term for their health and their well-being to get them back into uh, uh, with their families if it is a safe environment. So we go and assess that. Is it a safe environment? But we also then assess them, uh, you know, and, what we, and we put them through what we call a, a, um, path to our program called Pathway to Freedom. And pathway to freedom is very individualized. So, because as you know, everybody's got different ways how they tick in their makeup. And so, so we, we give them an individualized program. So we ascertain where, where are they at with their education. And sometimes with trauma and though forth, you, not, it's not one size fits all. There's different ways of having to help them with that. And of course, because their individual medical needs that they need. Some of these girls, unfortunately, have got venereal diseases and different other things that have gone wrong uh, with them. So you've got to, so we, we, we help them with that. Uh, and then, uh, um, and, and they get tested for, for, for different things. And, and then also, so then we work out what's the best way for them forward because, we we get these girls because that's what we call destiny rescue is that we rescue them 
so that they can choose the destiny they want to go in. Not one that was being forced on them, but one that they want to go in. And yes, we do rescue boys as well, but 99, 95% is, is girls because that's the way the whole sex industry is skewed towards. And, and so what we'll do is we'll assess them where they are and you know, and and I'll I'll give you if you don't mind, I'll give you an example here of uh, uh, we'll suggest where they are. And uh, in some of our uh, um, rescue centres, we've got an in-house program uh, um, to uh, teach them to because quite a few girls want to go down that program uh, that way. Is is um, is basically a beauty a beauty therapist. And when I say beauty therapist, we train them up to to it's hairdressing, it's 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 uh, makeup. Hair and makeup, and it's also uh, um, manicures and pedicures, and 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 then we we once they've gone through the program and, and graduated, they especially if it's safe for them to go back to their own village, we'll actually give them a starter kit, help them with everything they need to start up their own little business there, while still working on their own education and so forth. So, and you know, so many stories. But uh, one example is, for example, we had two sisters that we rescued. Um, and these two sisters, and, and that's also, that was kind of a miracle that they were still actually together because a lot of times these kids get broken up and sent off, but the two sisters were together. We rescued them. We put them through our program. We gave them a startup. They went into the village, started their own little beauty salon, and uh, um, and, and we follow up with, the, with them over time to check how they're going, and they ended up building a little business where, where we're all – Basically, all the villagers would go to them. That was the main hair beauty salon that they went to, and they they were quite they were very successful. They not only were able to look after themselves, but also feed their family and help the rest of the extended family. So, so and that was one example. And then we had another one in Cambodia, for example, at our rescue center. Our uh, um, one of our social workers saw um, this girl, um, and um, and saw that she was she just wasn't. This type of uh, hair, you know, the beauty uh, uh, therapist thing wasn't the way for her. And, and she was battling and even with some of her academics and different things. And they were just trying to work out. And and our social workers saw that in her off time, she would be sitting there and she'd be drawing and just doing these wonderful drawings. And and so we realized that's the key to her destiny, for her her direction in life. And, and, and so... We, uh, we, as Destiny Rescue, we enrolled her into uh, um, an art school, a local art school there in Cambodia. And, um, and, and it was, uh, and the art school was specializing in the style of Japanese art. And, and so she really excelled, did well, worked hard, did really well. And she, she graduated out of that program. And then we, uh, um, when she, just when she had finished graduating, uh, we heard that there was a, a international, uh, um, a movie studio that was setting up a digital animation arm in Cambodia, and and we 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 organised for her to go for an interview. They had an internship program that they had uh, interviewing uh, locals for. And anyway, she went. She she got approved to become an intern there, and then they trained her up then into the into digital animation. And then when she was finished with her internship, they gave her a permanent job as a digital animator. So, and, and so 
like I said, there's so many different pathways we, we, we want to get them because in the end of the day, yes, we, we want them to see that, yes, something bad happened to you, something traumatic happened to you, but that should not define who you are. You, you are, and it's amazing to see these, these, these girls rise up to the challenge. And we say, no, yes, this, this bad thing happened to you, but you have a destiny, you have a purpose. Let's walk with you on this journey and help you find it. And, and then, the, and, and, and oh, I, I can, if, if you don't mind, I'll give you one more example of, because we've had them go to so many different areas. Is, um, um, I'll tell you this, but one thing I just wanted to just kind of dive in. We also do uh, quite a bit of preventative work. So in one of the countries which I can't mention, um, we do preventative work on the borders. So what we do is we stop uh, individuals being trafficked across the border to a neighboring country. And the neighboring country has got a city there that's probably one of the most notorious for human trafficking. And once you go into that city, basically disappear for life. It's, it's, uh, and, uh, and so what we've done is we've, we've set up uh, uh, the, the border controls of this country allowed us to set up actually with them and we're at a few at a few hotspots, and what we'll do is our 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 workers of desert rescue will actually are allowed to go into the buses and into the taxis and look, and then, and they're trying to see what uh, uh, um, what the warning signs are they're going to look for, and then if they see something is not right, they'll actually they're allowed to point the people out, and the border con- control will actually remove the people from the bus and put them, and then usually split them up and start, and we're allowed to interview them. And to see, our, and so one of the examples is we we had this um, one lady, um, and I'll kind of just jumped into it. I'll jump back onto my other story I was going to talk about. But we had this one lady. Um, she and what happened with her? She was twenty one years old, and like I said, we we come across ones that are older as well. Although our focus on children, and that's but we do come across. But like I said, if you see somebody drowning, you're not going to say, "Oh, what's your age?" No, sorry, wrong age. We're not going to help you. So. She's 21 years old, and we're interviewing her and say, why are you going, you know, and she, she told, she, she actually opens up and tells the story, and she, she was with her dad on a bus, and she was helping her family, and she was with her dad on a bus, and they were traveling uh, from one point to another, and on the bus, they meet this, this guy who says he's a businessman, and they start talking to them, and, and they say, yes, their, their daughter finished school, but she's just kind of looking for work, wanting to help the family, and he said, listen, I... I own a couple of businesses, but how about I get you? I can get you a job. It's just across the border, a fantastic job, pays well, you know, sells the story and said, but what you guys are going to do is first get, <coughs> sorry, is first get a, a, a passport organized because she didn't have a passport. So here they are, and he gave them the business card. And so she was so excited, and her dad as well. We had to organize the, 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 the pass, her passport and, then the guy said, "Once you got your passport, just phone me, um, and um, I'll organise uh, 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 somebody to come and talk to you about what the next step is." And so they phoned him, and he said, "Yeah, um, I'll send you. I'll send you. Oh, I can't remember whether it's my sister or somebody. Uh, anyway, this lady comes and meets meets up with her and says, "Yes, okay. Can you give us your passport? We'll organise your paperwork for you. you. Don't have to do anything. Don't worry. It will be all on our cost, you know." And she's just thinking, she and her dad thinks this is the best opportunity ever and uh, um, 
you know, they took they took her paperwork and said they've organized it. And then they phoned her and said, okay, can you travel with this bus across and well, I'll meet you. And the gentleman, the, this businessman said, I'll meet you on the other side of the border. And yes, she was on her way. And we, and this is where we intercepted her. And we explained to her that that's happened. That story has been perpetrated so many times. And what waits on the other side is that they take her and then traffic her into the sex industry. But in this city, you disappear for life. And they were totally naive to this fact. And when they found out, we found her dad and explained the situation. And they were so grateful that we had stopped her right at that point for vanishing forever at that point. And when, and they opened a case against this guy. And when they went and looked into it, this guy actually tried to even bribe them to shut the case against him because that was his role. He had been trafficking people across the border so many times. And then these girls all disappear. But, um, but here's the story, uh, part of the thing. With, with our help and, and us following up with her and helping their family, um, now I'm happy to say that she has actually become a police officer, working in, the, working, in the, working in the same area and keeping others safe. So, and, and so that's just one little example there. Um, so that, that's our preventative side. And obviously, we're going to uh, in the other countries in Thailand that if we see there's a lot of people coming from a certain air, from a certain village, we'll also go in there and try and educate the village about the, the the dangers of trafficking. But coming back to where for us, it's 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 the whole purpose is just take a life that other people meant for destruction and turning it and setting them free and helping them where they can choose their own destiny. Is um, the gentleman I told you in the beginning that when I had the privilege to go undercover. With Tony and the gentleman, uh, you know, we'll, 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 we'll call, we'll, I'll just call him Danny. We, we use different names for him. Once again, we've got to keep his identity protected. Um, and anyway, Danny, uh, not real name, made up my name. I'm just actually making up right now as we talk. <laughs> as, um, so Danny, Danny was traveling from, from Thailand and he had, fly, and he had to fly into one of our undisclosed nations. So he had to fly out of Bangkok. And uh, Danny, uh, uh, had to um, just the way the flights worked. He had to fly in from northern Thailand into Bangkok, and and the next morning early he would fly from that to one of the undisclosed nations. Um, and and so he was tired, you know. And, and a lot of these guys they'll work seven nights a week. Seven nights, you know. You'll start with your work at, you know, you'll start in the evening. You work up till three o'clock in the morning with these going undercover and everything. So it's a relentless work. And so he's just but tired probably a little bit burnt out and and he can't sleep it's one o'clock in the morning because usually he's out there looking for you know going into bars brothels he can't sleep and then thought oh he remembered staying in this little motel close to the airport just just remembered oh he remembered seeing a 7-eleven just kind of down the road and he was thirsty and thought all right I, 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 you know okay i can't sleep i'm just i'll go to the 7-eleven by myself a bottle of water and so he's just walking but he's kind of moaning complaining like he's like he's saying, you know, had a big whinge, having a big whinge, and you know, kicking stones, and just going, just in his mind, going, oh, I know we make a difference, but are we making an indent? Are we making a difference? You just, just like I said, a bit burnt out, and and part of the reason why he was feeling that way is also because he's the one who actually set it in place. But years before, we actually set it in place where, where um, once we rescue, once our guys rescue a girl and take them to the rescue center, that's the last time they basically interact with that girl. 
is to protect the girls' identities and also our undercover guys' identities. So once they hand them over, that's it. And so it's the social workers, the community workers, and our staff there at the community centers that will, the rescue centers that will then look after the rest of their journey. So they don't know, once the girls drop, that's the last they kind of hear about the girl. And, and because we keep identities so, you know, keep them protected, the, he's lost contact with any of them. And so he's just like, you know, moaning and complaining, just like, oh, are we making a difference? You know, he's just, and he's walking. As he walks to the 7-Eleven, he could see under the lights of the 7-Eleven there, there's, there's the markets on the side there. And, and this is more an industrial area where he's, he's at. And, and the night markets are there and there's people bustling around there, but it's all workers, you know, changing shifts. Shift workers, they'll grab something to eat on their way home. And once coming in, we'll eat something and then they'll go and do their night shift. And so he's, but he's walking in. So under the 7-Eleven, he just saw a silhouette of, 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 of two individuals there. Next minute, he hears them calling out his name. And he hears this girl, and, and he hears these two girls calling out, Danny, Danny, and they, and they start running towards him. And only when they were close enough, he, could rec he recognized that those were two girls that he had rescued quite a few years before. Um, close to the Lao border in northern Thailand, there on the Migong uh, 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 River. And he, had, he was actually physically one of the ones that actually rescued these two girls. And so, you know, he's seeing them and they just, you know, they just jump over and give him the biggest hug. And, and in his mind, he's going, oh, my, you know, what's happening? You know, why are they so far away from home? What are they doing here? And you know, and he asked them, what, what are you doing here? You know, this is one o'clock in the morning, the middle of, you know, industrial year. What are you doing here? And, 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 they, and they excitedly just say, they just, you know, talked to him and they said, no, we, we work as nurses at the hospital here. And they pointed to where the hospital was. And unbeknownst to Danny is that once they were in the rescue center and we worked, they went through the processes, this rescue paid for them to do their nursing courses. And that's how they ended up getting a job in, in the hospital there in Bangkok, close to the airport, of all places for them. And here's the, here's the kicker of it all is that, that as they're talking now, here from the 7-Eleven walks another, you can see two other figures, and it's, it's, a, it's, it's a couple, a young couple. And these girls, and then he realized they were all together, and these girls turned to them and said, hey, guys, come and meet Danny. This is the guy we just told you about. We just told you about who rescued us so many years back. So they were telling at that moment, they were telling this couple their story of how they got there. And the guy that rescues walks up to them right there in the middle, one o'clock in the morning of all places. And so, so, you know, those are the good things that drive us. The good things, the, the, the stories of, 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 of seeing these girls, just, just, just turn their lives absolutely amazingly around, and, and, and with just giving them the tools, but seeing them take on that new life and that new destiny and going after for what they call for, and 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 not see not seeing themselves through the eyes of the perpetrators who've tried to force them to see so that to get them to the point where they realize they are not just a commodity for somebody else's pleasure, that they are not just a thing or to be sold to be used and brutalized. No, they are an individual that has got a destiny and a purpose and, 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 a, and, a, and a story that they're going to write for their own lives. And so it's, 
it's it's these things that you know like i said we've all got our own stories but these are the things that really drive us and then you know one one thing and please if i'm rabbit i can talk for hours about what we do. i just i love so much to be being part of this organization um in in, in the philippines uh, for example uh, um, what's happened is is now with covert is actually people you would think people can't travel so things must be oh they must be better no it's actually not our our workers are on on ground and us as organization our work workload has more than doubled probably tripled the amount of work what our guys have had to do because firstly uh, um we had to scramble because a lot of these uh, um, organizations uh, uh, these criminals they're not just sitting there with they they move the children to go more underground move them to different places. so we had to follow and work out where what they're doing with the children especially the ones we were really setting up for rescue and the ones and we were working on raid rescues as well so so we had to do that but then what's happened is these guys adapted so quickly they started utilizing social media and even the internet more and more in 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 abusing these children and so what's happened in the philippines just before before all the flights and stuff got canceled um the the uh, um uh, what happened is in, in um this uh, we kind of we started having to go through down the road of cyber rescue uh, and and so what happened is in england the police there raided a suspected pedophile's um home and on his phone on his mobile phone they found this pornographic material of a 2 year old boy being molested uh, being being abused by stepdad and that material was being sold in the dark web to to different pedophiles and so they could work it work out that it was from the philippines but that's all they could work out and so they contacted the national bureau of investigation in the philippines and the national bureau of investigation went and 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 contacted us because we we've, we've done quite a bit of work with them in conjunction with them and so basically the three groups we worked together on this case and we work we kind of infiltrated this this uh, website that was uh, you know on the dark web that was utilizing this material and our you know you know our guys I take my hat for them that had to deal with that case because here they had to kind of receive this pornographic material and of this 2-year-old boy being abused and try and decipher where whereabouts is it and different things so it started building a relate kind of digitally talking to this uh, stepdad and the step that was also offering up this boy uh, for pedophiles to fly in and to come have sex with and anyway long story not to give too much away we we set up a, a sting and he we got it to a point where he was going to come to a hotel uh, um and hand him over to to one of our guys who was the client and at our hotel hand over this 2 year old boy to take up to the room to go and abuse and um but unbeknownst to the stepdad it was a setup the british federal police were there the mbi agents uh, mbi was there and our guys were there did the rescue and we cleared the hotel lobby and and so they he came in it looked like a hotel lobby milling around but it was all agents waiting for him he came and spoke to the the, the dirty john and our guy handed over the child and received money and then handed over the child to for us to go for our guy to go and abuse any so child remember as soon as he handed over the child uh, the police and everybody jumped in 
we've formed the human barrier between him and the child and the the two-year-old boy got rescued from that and the stepdad and the stepmom who was involved and the mom sorry not the mom the mom and the stepdad both uh, uh, got took into custody and sent to jail and that is just but for us unfortunately that's only just the start we've we've our guys, as we speak, are working on more and more cases like that. And also, uh, some of these guys have started also social media groups where they'll talk to perpetrators that are living, Westerners that are living in these countries and still sending them children to go to abuse. So we've had to infiltrate that as well. And, and, and through the help of our wonderful federal police partners in the different countries. So the work has not stopped for us during COVID. It's actually increased. And we as an organization, and it's not just us, other organizations as well, we are concerned that once they open all the borders, we're gonna, we know we're going to see an avalanche of, of, of traffic children coming into, back into all of these bars and these brothels and these pubs. And, and some of them that have, some of them gone, have gone bankrupt, which is absolutely awesome. But so, those that have opened up, our guys on ground can already see new girls, new children being funneled through this. So it's, it's an ongoing work, but uh, we're, we're a not-for-profit organization, and so we don't get a financial assistance from any government, or for, uh, so not foreign or local. And so we totally rely on, on donations from moms and dads and from people. And, and for me, that is also the people that I really – I started the journey that way, to, to go to the back of the beginning. That's how I started the journey. My wife and I were, were donors, and we loved it. And obviously, when I asked if they wanted to be more involved, I was the first go. I was immediately, like I said, I said yes. And then, and and and, oh, and what I didn't say is when I, after I said yes, because I immediately said yes. I said, oh, I'm saying yes, but can you just give me a day? I've got to go talk to my wife. I'm quite sure she's going to be part of this conversation. <laughs> and uh, and uh, yeah, I went like, oh, honey. And but she also immediately said yes because it's it's for us as. And this is where I just want to say from donors and, and, and from our, from the more bottom of my heart, I'm, I'm so grateful for donors. Here you've got moms and dads that are working hard for their money, but they're willing to partner with an organization like us. And, and like I spoke to, to, to one gentleman, one of our donors, and he and I had a good conversation. And, and he said, the thing that really stood, stands out for me, he said, I can be doing what I'm doing. And, 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 and he's an accountant. He said, I, I'm there doing what's seen as real boring work. So I'm there looking after people's taxes, and it's some, it's kind of a rhythm, same thing over and over, but, you know, I'm doing that. But he said what's in the back of my mind is because I'm a rescue partner, somebody that partners with your organization on a monthly basis, while I'm doing that, I am now that I am also in, directly involved in rescuing children from a hell and giving them a destiny in the future. And he said, that drives me doing my work, which can be mundane, but drives me even more to want to do more, to keep on working because that's what I can do. But my, I know my money that I give to you every month is making a difference in individuals' lives. And that's why it was such an easy yes for me to join Destiny Rescue, to kind of pull it full circle, come back to your, your question. So how do people, how can people contribute? I mean, I'll put a link up on the webpage that goes with, yes, um, yes. with the podcast. Yes, so the, so the web address, they can check us on the web address. Um, but for us, one of the biggest things for us, the biggest help is um, 
I'll just give you some numbers just to give you. Um, for us to do the covert, covert <laughs> rescues, um, we, our, 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 we plus minus, but it works out about 1,500 just to rescue the child, never mind the care or anything afterwards. It costs roughly about 1,500 just to rescue that child. Um, with the raid rescues, some are lower, some are higher, but it averages out about $10,000 to do a raid rescue. So, because there's so much involved in it, it's not just like, all right, let's, let's the investigation we do. And, I, and unfortunately, I can't, if I go in details, I'm going to give away how we do things, and I don't, I can't do that. But there's so many things we do that cost money that gets us to that point where we finally, on that day, do the raid right with the authorities. But the raid, like I said, a uh, raid will can can out of a raid you can have two individuals, uh, two two children that have been rescued, or you can have uh, uh, um, or you can have up to fifty nine individuals was one of our highest ones uh, uh, rescued. So it's and 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 for example, one of the raid rescues. I'm just kind of jumpy, but one of the raid rescues we were after. There was a pimp in charge of a lot of pimps in the Philippines. Uh, I'll just use that example quickly, and we were us and authorities were after this guy because he was in control of so many children being trafficked. We, uh, we tried to, to get hold of him because he was using a social media platform and he was using uh, texting, but he, I think smelled something was happening and didn't stop responding. But we realized we knew that there was one of the other pimps that were working under him. We thought will be, so we set up this thing on the same day with that one. We caught that pimp and, uh, um, and rescued uh, about, there was about, uh, um, I think about six children that were, that were in this, you know, that we rescued there. And so we're trying to get that person to flip and tell us now who the main pimp is. But this pimp was very clever, didn't divulge where he lived. We knew it wasn't a certain area, which was a, quite a dangerous area where a lot of drug traffickers uh, operate and live as well as arms dealers. And so, and it had a lot of labyrinth of little alleyways that you could just walk through. And so it was quite dangerous even for police to go and try and go down these labyrinths. And so um, as we did trying to work out uh, how are we going to discussing it with this person that was just kind of caught out of the van where the children were placed, the little voice of a 15 year old girl pipes up and says, overhearing our conversation, I know where he lives. And she knew, and sh this little 15-year-old brave, brave girl took us through this labyrinth and took us to this big pimp, got busted. He had 11 children with him in the room that was giving drugs to keeping them, you know, hooked on drugs, caught him right there and then. And But that's what these raids do. So they cost a lot of money, but they're so worth it. So... But how so people can think, okay, this is too much, you know. I don't have ten thousand. Well, if there's anybody ten thousand, please donate to us. <laughs> um, but how they can is what well, we've got a thing called rescue partner. A rescue partner is basically somebody that says, you know what, I'm going to contribute on a monthly basis to you. So whatever uh, on our website, uh, on the website when it talks rescue partner, it's got an amount there forty eight dollars. But in the end of the day, it's your call. We've had people that go, you know, no, I can afford a hundred dollars a month. Others say, no, I can do less. But whatever it is, because that monthly donation helps us work out our cash flow. It makes it easier for us. And obviously, if it, 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 um, you do it month month by month, but at the end, if you say, okay, I'm going through a bit of, I, I've got to pause it for a while or stop it, that's fine. Everybody's got a choice on it. We 
but that monthly giving, and it's called Rescue Partner. So there will be a link that will say Rescue Partner on your thing. It'll have a funny kind of number, you know, a funny address on it, but that's the link that takes directly to Rescue Partners. But also, if, if people go on the website and then they then decide, you know what, we want to donate, if I could just ask them if they can please mention your podcast. Put it under the comments. Mention your podcast. Because we, we like to find out where people and and. And and I, if you don't mind, I'd like to to say, hey, there's so so many people that have come through your podcast. So if I can put it in comments, just the podcast, or you know, just mention your podcast, that'd be absolutely fantastic. But yes, rescue partners is probably our biggest help. Is if people can donate on a monthly basis, whatever people can afford, and um, and and, uh, and for us, our partners are, are are our heroes because they're the ones who work hard for the money but are willing to help us in this fight to rescue children that have been trafficked in, in the sex industry. Well, that was a very quiet time for me. Thanks so much, Mark. That was just amazing. So, like, um, Sorry if I was rabbiting on and on. <laughs> you, no, it, I think every, there was nothing you said there that was superfluous, you know. It was, it was all valid information and it's stuff that we don't like to think about, you know. We just no. like in our nice rosy little houses and, you know, in our nice happy little lives and it's we try not to put too much. I try not to put too much yeah. thought into it, you know. Oh, no, I understand it. It's, that's amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for giving me the opportunity just to spread the word about what we do. I, I think we're one of the best-kept secrets here in Australia. Thanks so much for allowing me to come on to your wonderful podcast. I really appreciate it. You are so welcome, honestly. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Menopause, Marriage and Motherhood podcast. Come and join us in our new Facebook group, the Menopause, Marriage and Motherhood group, where we'll discuss what happened in this podcast and all the other things that have got to do with midlife. I'll see you there.